Welcome to our 49th class. Only three more classes to go. Went by quick for me. So we're going to review question 48, question Pastor Greg taught on last week, and then we'll move into question 49. Let's begin with prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word, and thank you for the truth, the light that is in your word. Thank you for all that you've taught us in these weeks before, in these classes. We thank you for the effect that by your spirit the word has on us and on our hearts. I know that I've been helped and encouraged and strengthened through this time. So we pray for that again today as we think about where Jesus is even as we speak. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Okay, question 48. What is the church? Let's say it together. God chooses and preserves for himself a community elected for eternal life and united by faith who love, follow, learn from, and worship God together. God sends out this community to proclaim the gospel and prefigure Christ's kingdom by the quality of their life together and their love for one another. Okay, let's just get the question up there. Has anybody memorized this? Together, what is the church? Are you throwing gum at me? <laughs> God chooses and preserves for himself a community elected for eternal life and united by faith who love, follow, learn from, and worship God together. God sends out this community to proclaim the gospel and prefigure Christ's kingdom by the quality of their life together and their love for one another. That brings us to question 49. An interesting question. Where is, did you see that? That's funny. <laughs> I was pushing these in there and the bottom just dropped right out. They all fell on the floor. Let's deal with that later. Okay, so where is Christ now? Let's say it together. Christ rose bodily from the grave on the third day after his death and is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling His kingdom and interceding for us until He returns to judge and renew the whole world. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 through 21 says, He, that is God the Father, He raised Him, that is Jesus, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So let me read this answer one more time. We'll read it a bit more slowly, and then I have a couple other things that I'd like to read to you. The answer, we're told, is that Christ rose bodily from the grave on the third day 
after his death. Now, what that first part is telling us is where Jesus is not right now. And that is very important. Jesus is not in a tomb. He's not in a grave. His body is not somewhere decomposing or decomposed. Jesus is alive. He is alive. Christ rose bodily from the grave on the third day after his death. And so where is he now? And this is what we just read in Ephesians 1. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. That is a place of importance. That is a place of prominence. That is a place of power, a place of authority, the right hand of a king. So he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing there? He is ruling his kingdom. There's debate over what that actually looks like, but there is agreement in that he is ruling his kingdom and interceding for us. So he is there on our behalf. He is there as our representative. He is there as our advocate. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He's interceding for us, and he is doing that until... He returns. That's where he will be, and that's what he will be doing until this next assignment where he returns. And what will he return to do? He's going to return to judge. He's going to judge the living, he's going to judge the dead, and renew the whole world. This will be the new heavens and the new earth. So let me read you a hymn. This is written by Charles Wesley, and it's called Hail the Day That Sees Him Rise. Hail the day that sees Him rise, ravished from our wishful eyes. Christ, a while to mortals given, reascends His native heaven. There, the pompous triumph waits. Lift your heads, eternal gates. Wide unfold the radiant scene. Take the King of glory in. Circled round with angel powers, their triumphant Lord and ours, conqueror over death and sin, take the King of glory in. Him, though highest heaven receives, still He loves the earth He leaves. Though returning to His throne, Still he calls mankind his own. See, he lifts his hands above. See, he shows the prince of love. Hark, his gracious lips bestow blessings on his church below. Still for us, his death, he pleads. Prevalent, he intercedes. Near himself prepares our place, harbinger of human race. Master, will we ever say, taken from our head today, see thy faithful servants, see, ever gazing up to thee. Grant thou parted from our sight, high above yon azure height, grant our hearts may thither rise, following thee beyond the skies.
Ever upward, let us move, wafted on the wings of love, looking when our Lord shall come, longing, gasping after home. There we shall with thee remain. There thy face unclouded see, find our heaven of heavens in thee. Here's commentator David Bisgrove, and here's what he writes on this catechism question. He says, no doubt you've heard the phrase, out of sight and out of mind. Someone who's not around, whom you haven't seen in a long time, doesn't have much impact or relevance in your day-to-day life. The Bible tells us that after Jesus' resurrection, he ascended into heaven, disappearing from view, out of sight. But we're also told that because of where he now resides, we can be assured that he's relevant in our daily lives. So where is Jesus now? And this is the question that we're thinking about today. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And then he goes and gives a few reasons of why this is significant. First, it reminds us This fact that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. It reminds us that Jesus rules over all creation. He brings up Psalm 110, which paints a beautiful picture of how God's enemies are a footstool of Jesus as he sits at the Father's right hand. Some of you might have footstools in your your house, or we have one we call call it an ottoman. It's a footstool. When you're sitting back on the couch and you're relaxing, maybe you put your, at least I do, I fold my hands up, put them back behind my head, and if it's really sweet, the ottoman's there, and what do I do with my feet? I put them up on the ottoman, right? Cross my legs, have them out in front of me, no worries, no anxieties, no cares. I mean, not really. Most things are probably still floating around in there somewhere. But it is a place of peace, right? Um, It's a place of rest. Okay, so imagine this. Psalm 110 says that there is Jesus, and he has a footstool that his feet are on as he sits at the right hand of the Father, and that footstool are his enemies. That's quite a picture of his power, of his authority, of, of his control. There's a lack of anxiety on his part. There's a, there's a lack of fretting on his part. He is ruling over his kingdom. He's not trying to figure out what he's going to do next. He's not trying to predict his opposition's next move, right? He's in total and complete control. He is, I don't want to take this analogy too far, but he is kicked back and his feet are up on the footstool of his enemies. So that's the picture that Psalm 110 paints. Can you see the comfort of that day in your daily life? Bisgrove goes on. When you struggle with discouragement or disappointment or bitterness. I know most of you have never struggled with any of those things, but some Christians do, right? Some do. When you struggle in that way, about the way your life is going, or when you're discouraged and angry about all the injustice and evil in the world, you ever get unsettled? about all the evil in the world? 
You ever take a break from reading the news or take a break from listening to or watching the news? You ever find yourself discouraged when you read the latest headlines? Well, this truth is important for us to remember in those times. Like David in Psalm 37, you are tempted to ask why the wicked seem to flourish. When you do, consider where Jesus is right now. That's a great application of this truth. Discouraged, depressed, angry, bitter, worried, anxious, unsettled. Go back and read question 49. Read Psalm 110. Read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, and be reminded. Okay, get perspective, right? When things seem out of control and in your, in your heart, in your home, in your family, in your church, in your city, in your state, in your country, in your world. Remember where Jesus is right now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And his feet are up on a footstool. And that footstool that his feet are resting on, that he is ruling over, are his enemies and his enemies' plans. And his enemies conniving. All of it. He's in complete and total authority, power, control. The one, he goes on, who conquered death is now ruling the world. Ephesians 1 says that Jesus was given all authority and will one day return and make the crooked places straight. So let where Jesus is now give you hope and courage to trust and follow him. As usual, this is not just theological nitpicking, right? These are not just making sure that we get our theology and doctrine straight. It's all, it's all applicable to our lives, and this is no exception. And then he gives a second reason. There's even more. Not only is Jesus the king who rules, but he is the priest who intercedes. He's at the right hand of the Father, ruling his kingdom. We covered that. And what else is Jesus doing? He's interceding for us. Hebrews 10 talks about this. He is interceding and praying for us at the Father's right hand. He's making, think of that, Jesus, the Son of God, is making His requests for us known to God. I'm sure His prayers are answered. He is our advocate in every sense of that word. So to see Jesus at God's right hand as our high priest is to remember that there is no condemnation for our sin. That Jesus sacrificed himself so that we could be united with him. We have the full rights, therefore, as God's children. Amen. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but... If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. It's funny, we try to wiggle ourselves into that spot that only Jesus is in, advocate for ourselves, and defend ourselves, and... Uh, depend on and trust in our own righteousness. But this verse explicitly says that our advocate is Jesus, and it's Jesus the who. Did you catch that? Jesus Christ the righteous. It's his righteousness that saves us, 
not our own. Romans 8, 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And then he closes with these words. So yes, Jesus is out of sight. We can't physically see him. But he is active in our day-to-day lives and in this world at the right hand of God the Father, ruling as our king, interceding as our priest, and waiting to return when he will wipe away every tear, beat swords into plowshares, and flood the world with his glory and his grace. So let's read it one more time together. Where is Christ now? Christ rose bodily from the grave on the third day after his death and is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling his kingdom and interceding for us until he returns to judge and renew the whole world. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for being our God for loving us for saving us for now making us more like Jesus giving us more every day every month every year giving us more understanding of who you are and what you've done so that our love for you would grow Jesus thank you for ruling over your kingdom. Thank you for interceding for us. We, we picture you now at the right hand of God the Father. And we know that you are in a place of total authority, which means we are free, which means that we are joyful, which means that we have assurance that you will get us through this life and to you in glory. So thank you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.